Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our NCAA College Basketball AP Top 25 Poll Breakdown. So Jalen and I looked at the Top 25, and we picked two teams that stood out to us. So Jalen, who is one of your teams that stood out to you? Well, Ryan, first to give some context to the top 25, let's kind of at least break down the first 10 teams that are in there, not going through, you know, each individual one, but just to kind of list out where things are headed. At number one is Gonzaga. Number two is Baylor. Number three is Villanova. Number four is Virginia. Number five is Iowa. Number six is Kansas. Number seven is Wisconsin. Number eight is Illinois. Number nine is Duke. And number 10 is Kentucky. So, with that being the case, one of my teams is actually in, actually a few of the teams that I take a look at are in the top 10, but one of the primary teams that I looked at was the Illinois Illini. This, the, this team right here is a really interesting overall roster to me. Um, they finished 21st in the AP poll last year with a record of 21 to 10. Um, now they've shot all the way up to eighth, and they're considered to be the third best team in the Big Ten, only be- behind um, Iowa and Wisconsin. That's a pretty big step for for a program that has had a really tough time, really even making the NCAA tournament the last couple of seasons. And last year was really going to be one of their better shots at making not only the tournament, but maybe even making a run. Um, their two leading scorers in Ayo DeSumo, who's a junior, um, and Kofi Coburn, who's a sophomore, are both returning. They combined for 29.9 points per game and 13.1 rebounds last season. They bring it back Andres Feliz, who was their leading rebounder um, at the guard position with five per game. And Alan Griffin is a guy at forward that shot 41.6% from three. Basically, to put it in perspective, Coach Bradley, um, Bradley Underwood for this, uh, for this Illini team, this fighting Illini team, has really coached these guys up to play physical, play with pace, um, play with a lot of flair. And they're the definition of a Big Ten contender to me. They literally are put together in a way where they have two lead guys who can both get the who can both get the ball and do work inside because A.O. DeSimo is the definition of a slashing guard. He has Jimmy Butler written all over him in terms of his mentality. And then you guys have a guy have a guy like Kofi Coburn who is a big body, um, heavy, heavy load down low in terms of dealing with him as a rebounder. And then, of course, they have a couple of guys around them that are really suitable in their roles as upperclassmen. So um, this is one of the upper-class teams um, in terms of being heavily dominated by um, upperclassmen. I think that one thing that needs to be noted about the AP25, especially in the top 10, is – they definitely paid a lot of attention to teams that have a lot of upperclassmen depth, teams that have a lot of experience returning. And I think they're taking into consideration the fact that with a COVID-shortened offseason or even with a um, COVID-extended offseason, depending on how you want to look at it, this is is an AP25 that reflects a lot of teams that have continuity rejoining one another and the the Illini are part of that grouping 
Yeah, and I think Illinois has a great chance to win the Big Ten this year. I think it's going to be competitive considering there's still a lot of great programs, including Michigan, Michigan State, Maryland, and Wisconsin. I think that Illinois really could stand out among the pack and be a dark horse contender to win the Big Ten. I actually have to look outside the top ten, though, and I think the team that stands out to me is Creighton. They finished 24-7 and last season, and um, they were ranked 7th. This time, they're ranked 11th in the AP Top 25. And this team loves to shoot threes. They ranked in the top 10 in terms of efficiency from three. Now, granted, they lost Tyshawn Alexander to the draft, and he signed a two-way contract with Phoenix, but they are still getting the majority of their team back. It starts with Marcus Zagorowski, who was their who was their second leading scorer. He had just over 16 points. He had five assists. He shot 42% from beyond the arc. He can also shoot off the dribble. He's quickly become a guy who can catch and shoot, and he could also be leading one of the best offenses in the country. I would also say another guy is Mitch Ballack. Um, He's a great three-point shooter. He shot just over 43% from beyond the arc, and he has a quick release, and he's also a great spot-up shooter. And then, of course, you have other guys that – that round up the lineup with Damian Jefferson, who's an efficient player on offense, especially in the paint, and then Christian Bishop, who's one of the best rebounders and shot blockers on the team. And we can't really forget about a guy like Denzel Mahoney, who was the six-man award winner, who averaged just over 12 points and three rebounds last year. And he's also another solid three-point shooter for a team that, like I mentioned earlier, really loves to shoot threes. And I have to highlight this matchup on December 8th because – Creighton goes to play number six, Kansas. I think that's going to be a huge matchup, and I think that's going to be a chance for Creighton to really prove themselves as a top 10 team in the AP poll. And, I mean, we're talking about a team that just barely was outside of the top 10. Like you said beforehand, I mean, they're 11th in the the AP poll. And this is a team in the Big East that, like you said, is returning a lot of guys. I think losing Tyshawn is going to be kind of – uh, a bigger hit than anticipated in terms of getting a lot of production from the guard spot, but they have a lot of returners. I can't harp on this enough. I think um, this, these, this was going to be one of my teams beforehand, but um, I'm actually going to move on to somebody else. But I think when you look at teams like Duke and Kentucky, right, for example, Kentucky just above Creighton, they have 12 underclassmen on their roster. Of course, they're headlined by guys like B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark, Devin Askew, and Jacob Toppin, all guys that are potential lottery picks, first-round picks, even early second-round picks projected in the next upcoming NBA draft, which is crazy to already be talking about 2021, but it sounds like a lot of executives are already saying that this may be one of the deepest draft classes in NBA history. And I think that's headlined by teams like Kentucky and Duke, who have a lot of freshmen. But there you go again. In the top 15, you have other teams right behind them. They're sandwiched right between teams that are led by a ton of upperclassmen. Right after Kentucky and Duke, Creighton, obviously, Tennessee, Michigan State, Texas Tech, and West Virginia. Again, sandwiched right in between a ton of teams that have a lot of upperclassmen returning. So it just shows you how much the committee is putting stock in teams that have a lot of upperclassmen leadership, teams that have a lot of already pre-established continuity, and it puts a lot of onus on the fact that they are not emphasizing pure talent 
as part of that. And so that's, that's actually where I want to lead off of in terms of my next team, because I think that from a talent perspective, it's really interesting how this team got led off, left off the list. And that team to me is Memphis. Um, the Memphis Tigers are a team that last year took the entire the entire NCAA basketball scene by storm in terms of the type of incoming class that they had. Of course, we know about Precious Achua. Of course, we know about James Wiseman. But they also had guys like DJ Jeffries, Lester Keonis, and Boogie Ellis, who all were guys that were at the top uh, in the ESPN Top 100, guys who were in the running for McDonald's All-American Games, so on and so forth. And they have a couple of those guys still returning. DJ Jeffries, to me, I personally thought that he might have been their best player last year, um, despite Preston Chua being so, um, so quote-unquote, dominant um, defensively for that team last year and really helped anchor the defense for that team. DJ Jeffries is coming off a year where he averaged 10.8 per points per game, 4.3 rebounds per game, shot 51% from the floor, and shot dang near 40% from three. They're bringing back Boogie. They're bringing back Lester. They even have Landers Nolly, who he was a 15 and seven guy. He was a 15 and six, 15 and seven guy last year. Like they're bringing back a lot of productivity. Memphis was just barely out of the top 25. They got 16, they got 69 votes, which was tied with Florida for second, just outside of the uh, top 25. The next leader before them, who was the closest to being the top 25 before them is another Tigers team in LSU. LSU has Sharif O'Neal coming through their door and he's actually healthy. I think that's what made them such an overwhelming favorite because literally Memphis and Florida were a weren't even close in terms of being second outside the top 25. LSU had 146 votes to Memphis and Florida's 69. That's literally more than both of them combined. So that just goes to tell you just how dangerous those two Tigers teams are from a talent standpoint. But again, I think a lot of the fact that they didn't make the top 25, remember, I referred to Sharif O'Neal. This is a guy who is still an underclassman and is coming off of a freak um, surgery that really had us wondering whether or not he would be able to play basketball long-term. And then we're talking about the Memphis Tigers who are still dominated by freshmen and sophomores. So I think that's a team that could be on the uptick with a really good win in their conference later on in the year. And I'm glad you mentioned Memphis because last year they were one of the top teams in the country with guys like Precious Achua and James Wiseman. And I think that they could have really taken the March Madness tournament by storm and maybe make a run to the Elite Eight. And then, of course, with LSU, you mentioned Sharif O'Neal. I think the question – that I have for Sharif is that is he going to be anything like his dad Shaquille O'Neal because if we what we saw at LSU with Shaquille O'Neal was a dominant center who really knew how to take advantage of his size in the paint so I'm kind of I kind of want to see if he's going to expand on what his dad did at LSU maybe add a perimeter shooting game in there as well I think he could be a very valuable contributor to LSU this season but my other team I want to talk about is ranked uh, 21st this year, and that's Florida State. They finished 26-5 and five last season, and like I mentioned, they're ranked 21st in the AP Top 25. This team stands out to me for a couple different reasons. It's mainly because of the guys that they lost. Um, Devin Vassell and Patrick Williams were two of their best players, and I'm interested to see how other guys are going to step up and fill their roles. Also, um, a guy like Trent Forrest, 
who was their starting point guard, signed with the Utah Jazz. That's a huge loss considering that Forrest was one of the best point guards in the country. And Florida State as a team were really poised to make a run to the Final Four. So I think it's going to be interesting to see this year what's going to happen with the team. Now, they have guys like Raekwon Evans, Anthony Polite, and Scotty Barnes to possibly fill these roles. I mean, Evans is a guy who can knock down threes. Polite is a solid 3 and D wing. Barnes has the potential to lead Florida State in points, rebounds, and assists, and maybe be one of the best players in the country. I think they really have a chance to prove that with their big matchup against Duke on January 2nd, and they also play North Carolina a couple weeks later. So I think Florida State really has a chance to become a top 10 team, maybe play as good as they, as they did last year. And I think you touching on Scotty Barnes is huge because he's the incoming freshman that's going to be able to pick up in the departments where Patrick Williams and Devin Vassell left off. I think as the incoming freshman with all the kind of hype that he had coming out of Montverde, he's a dude who plays with a lot of passion, plays with a ton of physicality, and he plays on both ends of the floor, which is huge for, uh, for Florida State because you know that they do not take any days off on any side of the court. So I think that Scotty Barnes, he's a guy, again, we were just talking about Memphis and we were talking about Kentucky and teams like that who have a lot of the star power that makes this NBA draft coming up into on 2021 so deep. He is another one of those guys that is in the mix for being a top 10, top 14 overall pick and falling to a team in the lottery and being a difference maker early in the NBA. I mean, he's a guy who literally can change the complete landscape of an organization. And I think he's going to start by doing so for the program in Florida state. I literally think that he is in a really advantageous situation. Um, and I think that, I think he fits in really well with this um, upperclassman led team. I mean, despite the fact that they have so many returning players, starting with guys like Raekwon Evans that you mentioned before, I still think that Scotty Barnes is going to be that guy who jumps off the page for them. And like you said, I think he could really be in the running for ACC player of the year if he steps up to the plate the way we know he could. And I think that Florida State really has a lot of potential as a team. And it's going to be tough considering that they're in a conference in the ACC where Duke is still a threat. North Carolina is still a threat. Clemson is becoming a significantly better team. I just think that the conference itself is going to be even more difficult and even more challenging for Florida State. Now, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Barnes, Polite, and Evans step up. So we also posed questions to each other for this episode as well in terms of potential storylines. So, Jalen, what is one question that you have as a potential storyline for this season? So, Ryan, as the homers that we are, right, there's no way in the world that we can't start off a college basketball season without talking about the Maryland Terrapins. This is a team that me and you off camera have had too many love-hate relationship type conversations about is Mark Turgeon running the team correctly? Is losing a guy like Jalen Smith going to be a huge hit to this team? What kind of things can we expect from this team moving forward? We've just been all over the place about whether or not we feel like they can be a true contender in the conference. And my question to you is, is do you believe that there is any point in this season where the Maryland Terrapins could potentially 
crack the top 25 in the AP top 25 poll? I will say yes, because they do have a lot of talent on their team. I think the main question that I really have is, are they going to be consistent? I remember um, in 2016 when they had Melo Trimble, Diamond Stone, Jake Lehman, they were ranked third in the preseason poll. And then by the end of the season, they were out of the poll completely. So I feel like Maryland gets these really high standards. They have these unreachable standards that I feel like they can never meet, especially considering that as many teams get more recruits, as many teams become more talented, like Michigan, Michigan State, I think it's going to become more challenging for Maryland to make an impact in the Big Ten, considering that there's a chance that every year they can finish either sixth or seventh in the standings because there's always going to be teams that are going to be more talented. They're going to have better records. They're going to have a lot of top 25 wins, which are huge in terms of uh, the March Madness tournament. And I think that the main thing for Maryland is that they need to rack up wins. They need to get wins against top 25 teams and they need to win out of conference games as well because those out-of-conference games also have an impact on how Maryland is seeded in the tournament if they get there. It's also how they perform in the Big Ten tournament as well because, again, they need to win the Big Ten tournament for them to possibly be considered for a top three seed. But Maryland has a chance this year to win the Big Ten tournament, lock up the Big Ten, and also become a top three seed. So I think it's just about consistency. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I think the big thing is, um, unfortunately, with the whole circumstance, I think that their best chance at a really good out-of-conference win really comes extremely early. December 9th, they play Clemson in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, and that's really their big out-of-conference game because nobody else really on their schedule um, out-of-conference is somebody that we're worried about. They play Old Dominion. Um, today when we're recording this, November 25th. Then they have Navy, Mount St. Mary's, Monmouth, and George Mason. Not really anything that's going to move the needle. So Clemson is really that other team. I think they have a really good stretch at the end of December to really make a push for being a part of the AP poll. They They literally have Purdue on December 25th, then Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana, Iowa, Illinois. I think that six game stretch right there, if they can do significant work in conference play, starting with those games, because they essentially starting December 25th, it's all conference play from that point forward. I think if they can start off the conference play well, starting with that Purdue game, I think a good start to it. Now, remember, the question wasn't that are they going to end the season in the top 25? The question was, do we think they will ever reach the top 25? I think with good Big Ten play, um, in-conference play, starting with the Purdue game up to Illinois, who Illinois, as I mentioned earlier, is ranked eighth right now, where they'll be ranked going into January, where they will play them uh, January 10th. That's the question is, where will Illinois be around that time? But currently they're at eighth. So putting that in projection, 
They're playing a good handful of teams that are in the AP 25 just out of their own conference, which alone is going to sure up the way the committee views their overall strength of schedule on top of the fact that any win they get will be a little bit over accentuated by the fact that these are teams that started the year out high and amongst the top 25 teams in the nation. So I think that December 25th to January 10th stretch where they take on some of the top teams in their conference are huge because after that, then you kind of catch teams like Nebraska. You do get Michigan again, and then you have Minnesota. So within that time frame, that is maybe a two out of three stretch. So we're talking about a team that could crack the AP 25 poll anywhere between the beginning of January and the, and the, the late end of January, maybe the, even the beginning of February, how long they stay in it. That's really something that has to be answered based off what you said beforehand, which is the consistency. So going from the, the Big Ten to the ACC, let's talk about a team in North Carolina. North Carolina struggled last year. They had a lot of injuries. So my question to you, Jalen, is North Carolina going to go back to being one of the best teams, not only in the ACC, but also – in the country. So I have to say that I genuinely believe that they're in a lot better position than they were beforehand. I think that last year it was Cole Anthony or bust. I think with Armando Baycott constantly in and out of the lineup due to injury, there was no real consistency in terms of their lineup. This is a team that really couldn't seem to find any one other guy outside of Cole Anthony, who also, like you said beforehand, struggled with injury situations that made it extremely difficult for this team to really even be of any threat. I think that Armando Baycott coming back um, healthy is going to be huge. I think that Garrison Brooks in his senior year, he was, he was probably the only other guy that I felt like you could truly rely on last year. And he's been the mode of consistency. He was a guy who I thought probably could have been a second round pick in his sophomore year with the way that he kind of broke out. But I think his junior year was a little bit built on as well. So I think that's a really good position for them. And let's not sleep on the class that they got. Caleb Love is a really good pickup for them. RJ Davis, I think that built in backcourt right there. It's going to be really interesting for them moving forward. Also, getting uh, getting guys like Ryan McAdoo is, um, is going to be a, a good move in terms of them and upperclassmen on their end. And they've got a lot of guys like Walker Kessler, Puff Johnson. Um, Leaky Black is a guy who I felt like played relatively well for them. I think the fact – I think his biggest issue is just that – he had a broken jump shot in terms of shooting the three. He was one of the worst three-point shooters on the team, and that's honestly not saying the least of it in terms of the fact that this was not really a great three-point shooting team last year, which is why teams would pack the paint and pretty much force Cole and Anthony to force the ball out because we know that Cole was an aggressive driver. He was a guy who loved to draw contact. But he's a guy who didn't get the kind of calls he was hoping for. And he's the kind of guy that didn't have the kind of confidence to kick the ball out to shooters because they really didn't have any. So I think this is a team that might have re-upped in a really good way. Are they a team that I'm putting in my top 10 for potentially finishing out um, on the championship? No. Am I saying that they're a team that potentially could make the Elite Eight? No. But is this a team that's in the conversation for the Sweet 16? I think for sure, because we've seen I've, we've seen this North Carolina team win the entire NCAA championship with technically less talent, not even a couple of years ago. 
So I think that they're in a really good position right now with a new influx of talent. I think they have more defined guys in terms of their roles on this team. And I think that although there's a big influx of freshmen, I think all of these guys bring something different to the table. And I don't think that's something that you could say about a lot of the guys that played for this team last year. So I think they're in a really good position right now. Like I said, I think Sweet 16 is the goal. But of course, you know, anything beyond that, of course, anybody that's a North Carolina fan like myself actually would have to say that Sweet 16, it's Sweet 16 or bust. But anything beyond that, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. North Carolina has been a, a, a rather surprising team for me because I've always considered them a top 10 team because they've always been a top 10 program. I think they've, they've had a level of consistency where it's either championship or bust. And I think that last year was disappointing for them because the record didn't reflect their play. I think North Carolina when healthy could have been an elite eight team. It's unfortunate that the season didn't go their way because North Carolina is definitely a great program. North Carolina this year actually has a slightly better team than they did last year. I think losing a guy like Cole Anthony to the NBA draft is huge because like I mentioned with Florida state, it's about who will step up next. I think Brandon Robinson, who is the third leading scorer on that North Carolina team is a guy that we have to watch out for. I think a guy like Leaky black, who you mentioned, he has struggling jump shot. How does he rebound going into this year? I would also have to say Anthony Harris as well. Anthony Harris was one of the best uh, three-point shooters on this team. He also averaged 54% from the field. So I think about who really needs to stand out in place for a guy like Cole Anthony, because that's a huge, that's a huge role to fill considering what Cole Anthony gave to the team last year. So I would have to look at mainly who is going to step up for North Carolina. And I think all eyes this year are going to be on Brandon Robinson, Anthony Harris, and Leaky Black. Yeah, bro. I think that this is a really interesting roster. Like you said beforehand, I think this is a team that can really be a dangerous down the stretch. I think ACC play is going to benefit them a lot because we already know that the ACC plays no game and any freshman not built for the task is going to be a team. Uh, any any freshman led team it, um, that's not built for the task is going to slide significantly. We saw that from North Carolina a lot last year. And Roy Williams was very vocal about it. He made it clear that this was one of his least talented teams coming into last season. Um, he didn't feel that way entering the year, but as things progressed, as they saw how the team performed without guys like Armando Baycott and Cole Anthony, it started to kind of rear its ugly head that this was a team that wasn't fully built um, to be a true contender in the NCAA tournament. Let me ask you this though, as my kind of little bonus question, speaking of the NCAA tournament, Cade Cunningham and the Oklahoma State, um, um, Oklahoma State Cowboys are not going to be a part of the NCAA March Madness um, extravaganza. Whether, whether it's in March or not is still something worth debate. I truly believe that it's something that might be um, off the table, but we'll just have to see. But nonetheless, the NCAA tournament is not going to have Cade Cunningham and the Oklahoma State Cowboys in it simply out of the fact that there was a lot of allegations and suspension issues that led to this team being marked as ineligible. Ryan, I know that this is not this is not necessarily an NBA draft based episode, 
But how do you feel about Oklahoma State not being in the mix, considering that they have a first overall pick potentially potential guard on their on their roster? And do you think that Oklahoma State not being able to participate in the tournament hurts his draft stock in any way? I wouldn't say it hurts his draft stock because I feel like he he has a chance to he has a chance to show that he can be a top three pick with the teams that he plays against. Keep in mind, he's playing for the Big 12, which means he's facing a lot of great programs like Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State. There's a lot of opportunities for Kate Cunningham to shine. So to say that he needs the March Madness tournament in order to make a case um, for him being a top three pick, I wouldn't say that he needs it. I just think he needs to step up in rivalry games. And there's no doubt that he's going to be able to do that. So I don't have a concern about that. In terms of Oklahoma State being in the March Madness tournament in general, I definitely think that, yes, they should have been given another chance because Oklahoma State is a team that under pressure can thrive, especially now that you have a guy like Kate Cunningham. That's a team that can be put on the map by the March Madness tournament. And Considering that potentially you only get Kate Cunningham for one year, I think it could it could hurt a team like Oklahoma State, especially trying to put their program on the map. Now, I think that there's a chance that they can be a mid-seed team, especially considering that they're competing against, like I mentioned, Baylor, Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Kansas State. But there's something about Oklahoma State this year that – reminds me of a dark horse team, especially in the Big 12. And like I said, it's unfortunate that they're not going to be able to participate in the March Madness tournament. However, they have a chance to win the Big 12 tournament, which would be huge. And that would also help Kate Cunningham make a case for being a top three NBA pick. And I have to agree. I mean, outside of the tournament, A, it's not March Madness, but they're going to be go, they're going to be able to go crazy in February. I mean, if you look at February from the beginning, they get TCU, they get Texas, big, big rivalry game there. They get KU in terms of taking on Kansas, who's ranked sixth in the, um, in the country right now. Big game for them. Kansas State, Iowa State, Baylor, who's second in the country right now. Texas Tech, who's in the top 15, they're 14th. And then they get Oklahoma. I mean, they're talk, we're talking about something where he might necessarily he might not necessarily be able to thrive in the big spotlight that is the NCAA tournament but in terms of February his stretch through February could be his saving grace and the fact that he's going to take on a lot of NBA talent he's going to take on a lot of um upper class led teams especially Baylor who was dangerous even last season and was in contention for being potentially a final four, if not a championship team last year. And I mean, they're in a really good position right now to be able to take on some of the top teams in the country. Like I mentioned beforehand, literally four of the four of the teams that they face in their last six to eight games um, starting in February, four of them are in the top 20 in the AP poll right now and they get them on that stretch down down towards leaning into what would be considered March Madness if that's when we do have that um that time frame so I think that he's still in a really good position 
I have to go with you on this one, though, when it comes to them being a dark horse team. I mean, this is a team that has not had a guard as dynamic as Cade Cunningham since, dare I say, Marcus Smart of the Boston Celtics. This is a team that has not seen that kind of flair from a, from, from a guard or got this kind of guard play in a really long time. And they had the chance to be able to get one of the top guys in the country, potentially a number one overall pick in the upcoming draft, to be able to show, you know, his worth and show his dedication to the state that he comes from by showing up on the big stage. And unfortunately that was, that was taken away from him. Now, shout out to him for still maintaining his eligibility rather than revoking his eligibility when he found out that the team was going to be ineligible to play in the tournament. But man, talk about a big hit for the tournament, not to be able to see a guy of that caliber in the bright lights. I just really wanted to see what your thought process on was on that because I think this is a team just like you that I felt like could have been really dangerous. I mean, this is a team that I wouldn't say they're on the type of trajectory that like Loyola Chicago had once upon a time, but they're a team that I think could have really made some noise. So transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, what team do you believe is a standout in the AP top 25 poll? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.